I don't know if every preacher would say the same thing, but at least in my own case, um, I never really considered the idea of vocation until 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 I had to, until people were encouraging me to consider whether God was calling me into uh, uh, ordained ministry as a as a pastor, pastoral ministry, um, and. Um, uh, I just never really gave much thought to the idea of vocation. If you had asked me uh, what a vocation was, I would have said a vocation is a job, or maybe it's a it's a swank job, maybe it's a high end job. It's the job you aspire to, because you know this just pays the bills. But you know, I I, I act now, but I want to direct or or whatever it is. You know, I, I have some aspiration. And that would be my vocation. And what I'm doing now is just paying the bills. And it's a shame that I never really gave this thought, this any thought, because it is a, it is a big idea in, in the, 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 um, the faith of the, the people of God. And, and it is the idea of vocation. The, the word vocation does not simply mean a job. It means a calling. In fact, if you listen to it, you can hear the word, you can hear the word vocalize or vocal in the word vocation it's it's comes from the same uh, uh, original latin roots or whatever so so the idea is is that every every vocation is a calling and what christians believe is that not only is every vocation a calling but everyone has a calling that that god gives every single person a calling and uh, that we are we are all called to something now i don't know um all the different things that that you have been called to. I, I know some of your your stories enough to know that, you know some of the the things that God has called you to, but I don't know what your your calling may be. A lot of you, and uh, what, what I am sure of is that is that um, a calling is not just something elevated that a, that a pastor has. It's not something for just priests and and uh, preachers. It's something for professors and plumbers and and parents that everyone has a vocation. And what we're going to be looking at today is vocation because everyone has one, but not everyone knows they have one. Now, if you're not a religious person, if you're still trying to figure out what it is you do believe about Jesus and God and things like that, I'm glad you're listening uh, because you're you're the one group of people that I know you're calling. I know you're calling even though I don't know you and I certainly don't know your story. I know what your calling is. Your calling is to follow Jesus. Jesus gives this call to everyone to follow him. And so if that's if that if if you're wondering what is God calling you to do, that's the answer if you are not already a Jesus follower. Now, if you are a Jesus follower, that's where it gets tricky because we don't always know what is our calling? What is God calling us to? And as we'll see in our reading today, sometimes God calls us to one thing and then he calls us to another thing that we may go through a series of calls. And in fact, if you think about it, we never lose the call to be a follower of Jesus. So these calls can sometimes accumulate. We may have more than one calling. So, so callings are actually pretty, um, pretty, uh, uh, it's a pretty big topic, the idea of your, what is, what is my vocation? And the good news is that, um, if, if you're wondering, you know, what is, how can I do it if, if I don't know what it is? And, uh, um, the, the, the good news is that this is something that the church has thought about for a long time and the people of God have, have thought about it for more than 3,000 years because, because 
people have been having this question as long as God has been calling people. And so, so what is God calling me to do? And so there, it, it comes up over and over and over again throughout the, the, the Bible. We see story after story about people who are dealing with their calling. And the one we're going to look at today comes from the book of Exodus. And it's, it's quite long and we're going to skip over all parts of it that don't relate to, um, to vocation. Um, because, because it is so long and it's so rich and there's so much in here that, that we're going to just give the, the briefest treatment to everything else. But, but this is part of our conversation on the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is the story of how God gets people out of difficult circumstances. The, the word Exodus literally means, um, the road out. If you weren't here last week, um, or if you were where you were supposed to be last week, but the the live stream wasn't, um, then you you may, you might have uh, missed this. But it's okay now; it's been posted online. We did record it, and so that's online. You can catch up. But briefly, what we learned at the beginning of of our our conversation was that God is characteristically a God who gets people out of difficult circumstances. That God is a liberating God. That when you feel trapped or stuck in a situation. God is for you. God uh, God has a heart for people who are in difficult circumstances. But unfortunately last I mean I mean not unfortunately it was part of the design but but we didn't hear what happened next. We heard God revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. God said, "Okay, here's my plan. I'm going to free the people of Israel from their bondage in Egypt." But we left off before we found out how Moses was going to respond because God had given him a part too. God said, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell Pharaoh what I just told you. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And we didn't hear Moses' response because, as we'll see today, it's actually quite lengthy. So we're going to look at what Moses says because Moses has been given a calling. Um, prior to this, he had a different calling. His calling was to be a shepherd. And he spent 40 years as a shepherd. And he probably figures, you know, it's a living, you know, it keeps mud on the table, you know, it, uh, it provides a tent over our heads, you know, but, but, he he has been um, seeing that job or not as a calling, but now he has unarguably a calling from God. So, so we're going to pick up um, in verse eleven, and uh, as we as we go through this, remember uh, we're we're trying to focus today on the, on the question of calling as it relates to us. What how can we learn from this? What does this have to teach us um, about our own calling? So, uh, God has just said. Uh, I'm going to free the people, and you're going to go tell Pharaoh about that. And Moses says, Who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And that is a great place for Moses to to start. That is a great place for all of us to start. It's with humility. If your first response, when when somebody says, You know, I think you have a calling to blah, 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 or or you have a, a sense of your own, you know, Maybe I'm called to that thing. And your first thought is, and I can knock that out of the park. In fact, I can't imagine anybody who could do that better than me because I am perfect in every way for this role. In fact, there's nobody on the planet who could do this particular thing better than me. I am the perfect person for God to call. If that's your first response, maybe you should sit down and take a couple of deep breaths because you're a little too excited. And, and 
that may all be true, and God may be calling you. But a good place to start, like Moses, is with some humility to say, who am I? I'm a shepherd. I'm a nobody out in the middle of nowhere, and you're calling me to go to the capital of Egypt, the greatest country in that region, and to go to the king and tell him what to do? Who am I? That's a great, that's a great question. Moses begins with some humility. And if, if Moses has made an error here, it's not that realizing that that's a big job. If, if there's an error, it's thinking his previous job was not a who am I job. The, the previous job, the job of being a shepherd in the desert, that's a calling too. And if Moses looked at it, we don't know, but if he looked at it arrogantly thinking, you know, you know, anybody, of course I could do this, you know, my, my talents are wasted on this trivial work here of tending sheep. He's not appreciating his job. He's not appreciating the responsibility he has for the people who are looking for him to provide for them. And he's not even really taking the sheep seriously. He's not appreciating his job as a shepherd. Jesus talks about the good shepherd who lays down his life for his his sheep. Uh, David, before he becomes King David, he says the place he got the skills to fight Goliath, you know, you've heard about David and Goliath. The place he learned those skills was fighting lions and bears as a shepherd. So take it, take your job seriously, whether it's going to Pharaoh or whether it is being a shepherd. That that's the place for some humility. Say, so, you know what, this there, this is not, you know, a, a, a walk in the park. This is a serious job. This is a serious calling, and I need to take it seriously. So he says, who am I? And God says, as I mentioned to the children, God says the magnificent words, I will be with you. The the most important thing to remember about a calling is God is not calling you to go do that thing over there. God is saying, I'm doing something and I have a role for you in the thing I'm doing. God says, I'm doing this and you have a part. God says, I will be with you. This is, this is I think, one of the most significant one of the most rich parts of the Hebrew Scriptures, and and it occurs over and over again throughout the New Testament as well. Jesus has a title. One of his titles is Emmanuel, God with us. So, God will be with us, and he um, he says, "I will be with you." And Moses has objections. Moses says, verse thirteen, he says. If I now come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what's this God's name? What am I supposed to tell them? What am I supposed to say to them? And God gives this elliptical answer, this elusive answer, this hard-to-fathom answer. He says, um, God says to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. But then he goes on and says, God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. So which is he, you know, the, the, the long list of names, ancestors, and Abraham and so forth, is that this? Or is this the, this, uh, strange saying, I am who I am? So th- this is a deep question and, People have been have been arguing over this and, and trying to plumb the depths of this idea for you know three thousand plus years, and uh, for our purposes, we're going to skip all all of those big ideas except to say one thing: God is saying, "I am who I am. I haven't changed. Nothing has changed for me. 
that that I am still the same God. When when I told you a, a page ago or the whole beginning of the book ago that I am a God who gets people out of difficult situations, that's still true. I am who I am. And nothing can change that. Nothing you do can change that. I have determined to be in a relationship with my people from all eternity, and nothing will change that. Nothing you do and nothing that's done to you. I am who I am. And so then God gives Moses a long list of instructions. He says, go and get Israel's elders together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me. The Lord said, I've been paying close attention to you. And wait, Moses is being given instructions. Tell them, the Lord said, I've been paying close attention to you and what has been done to you in Egypt. I've decided to take you away from the harassment in Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Don't forget the Jebusites. Um, A land full of milk and honey. So God says, tell them what I told you. And then he says, they will accept what you say to them. Then you and Israel's elders will go to Egypt's king and say to him, the Lord, the Hebrews God has met with us. Now let us go on a three-day journey into the desert so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. However, I know that God's, that Egypt's king won't let you go unless he's forced to do it. So I'll use my strength and hit Egypt with dramatic displays of my power. After that, he will let you go. So, God gives Moses these detailed instructions. And, and I know people, I have talked to people who said God has given them equally detailed instructions about what their calling entailed for them. And... Um, if that's your if that's your experience, if God has given you a detailed roadmap like that, with you know, say this and then do that, then that's great. Do that. You know, I, I'm not going to contradict God, but that wasn't my experience. I have not had that kind of burning bush moment where God gave me those kind of detailed instructions. But I want to call you in, in case in case that's that's you. In case you're like me, that you you have maybe had a sense that this is where God was calling you, but you didn't have that detailed set of instructions. You didn't get a roadmap. You know, God didn't send you an email telling you, you know, what what to do and where to say it. Um, if if you're in that boat along with me, then I, I want to call your attention that even if we don't get um, even if the instructions don't apply to us, right? This is something Moses was told thirty five hundred years ago. But there there are some there are some things we can take from it and think about in our own lives, in our own sense of calling. So the first thing is that God says, I have determined to free the people from their bondage, right? I have seen the oppression and I've determined to free them. So the first thing is notice that God has, God, God has a motivation for doing this. And uh, when he calls Moses to be a part of it, it's because, because he's asking Moses to do something that is in alignment with God's own purposes and his character. That, that God will never call you into some vocation that is at odds with what God is doing in the world. That God is not going to set you up just so he can knock you down. That what God calls us to is to be part of the work he's doing, not at odds with the work he's doing. So is your vocation in alignment with what God is calling you to do? And and that's, that's the first question you can ask. The other thing you'll notice here is that Moses says, is that he tells Moses that you're not responsible for the results. That that he says, he says, um, he says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, and it won't work. 
he says, he says, I know that Egypt's king won't let you go unless he's forced to do it. So when you're finished talking to him, I'll use my strength and hit Egypt with dramatic displays of my power. Moses is told, you're not responsible for the outcome. That's my department. I'm giving you a specific task, and if it succeeds or fails, don't worry about it. Your calling doesn't have to do with any kind of measure of success or failure. You might try to apply for it uh, to it yourself. And he also says, you're not responsible for how we got in this mess, Moses. He, he doesn't say, hey, you know, back in chapter 2, you killed that Egyptian and stuffed his body in the sand. And, you know, if you hadn't done that, I had everything set up. It was all going to work out perfectly. And you messed everything up, Moses. And now you've got to go back and fix that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Moses, I want you to build a time machine, travel back in into the past and prevent Israel from ever being enslaved in the first place. <coughs> Moses says, I don't care about, you know, I mean, I do care, but you don't have to care about the future. You don't have to care about how this turns out. You don't have to care about how we got into this place. You don't have to care about the past. All I'm asking you to do in your vocation, Moses, is worry about the present. So vocation is present tense. That God is calling you to do a particular thing, do that thing, and leave the results to God. And don't go dredging up the past and say, well, you know, this would be different if, because, I mean, maybe it would, but who can tell? God is happy with the situation right now, and he's got a plan to to move forward in it. So um, so if you don't get the detailed, if you get the detailed instructions, follow them, you know, by all means. But if you don't, you have at least those two guideposts that you can say, look, um, don't don't work at odds with God and recognize that all you have to do is what God told you to do. You don't have to worry about how it's going to turn out. So I said I wasn't going to cover anything to do with vocation, but the next two verses bothered me, and my guess is they'll bother you. So I'm going to quickly talk about them. God tells Moses, I'll make it so when you leave Egypt, the Egyptians will be kind to you and you won't go away empty-handed. Every woman will ask her neighbor, along with the immigrant in her household, for their silver and their gold jewelry as well as their clothing. Then you will put it on your sons and daughters and you will rob the Egyptians. Now, when I read that, I thought, what? Is God endorsing robbery? You know, what's what's going on? Does God approve of this? Is this a good thing? And so I actually did some, you know, I broke out a book this week. So um, I did some studies to actually figure out what is what is going on here. And it turns out that in that culture, what I've read, in that culture, the common practice when when one uh, when one army conquered another army, uh, you know, after any kind of decisive battle, the common practice was to loot and plunder. This was just the way the way that society worked. And usually, they didn't just steal things; they would steal people. There would be there would be uh, rape and pillage, and they would enslave the women and children. I mean, war was an ugly thing. You know, it's an ugly thing today, but it it was like ugly on steroids back in that culture. And God is saying. There's going to be the, the hallmark marker, the one that everyone notices about a decisive military victory. There's going to, it's going to look like that because you're going to loot the Egyptians. But that's all I'm going to let you do. There won't be any rape. There won't be any burning. You're not going to burn the crops or the buildings. You're not going to, to take anyone off with, with you into slavery. I'm limiting it to a sign of what has happened, which is the Egyptians have lost a great battle. And that's all we're going to do. So if that's, 
If that's helpful, I'm glad it helped me a little bit. But you know, I mean, it's it's a bothersome passage. So if um, if it still bothers you, then I would just say that's a place where you can be thankful. We live in a time, you know, uh, societies have progressed over the last three thousand years, and we have the idea now of war crimes. We have the idea that there are such a thing as a non-combatant, and so I'm glad that we've had that kind of progress, and that they they um, that that when they didn't, God was was gracious in in those circumstances as well. So let's move on back to our topic about vocation. So chapter 4, uh, we're going to read most of chapter 4, so I'm going to try and move through this very quickly. Moses says, um, what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, the Lord didn't send you, did, didn't appear to you. And um, God God answers his question. God says, um, "What you know? what's that in your hand? He says, it's a rod. He says, throw it in the ground. He does. And it turns into a snake. He picks it back up, and it's no longer a snake. So, so God performs a miracle to convince Moses. He He says it's it's to convince the the elders of Israel when you get there. But really, it's to, to convince Moses. And then He does another one. He says He says what's what's that? You know, put your hand inside your robe. It comes out, and it's got this skin disease. He says put it back in your robe. It comes out, and it's not. So He says He says these are the kinds of miracles you're going to perform when you get to Egypt, and there'll be even more when you when you get to Egypt. You know, if people still don't believe you, then you. You can pour out a bucket of a Nile River water, and it will turn to blood. And um, so, so he gives Moses these signs. He says, "I will perform miracles to convince anybody who's still who's still wavering. I will I will sort them out with with displays of my power. Um, the, this kind, and then more when you get there." And so, so Moses asks questions. He says, "He says, but what if?" He says, I have concerns. I have objections. I'm not sure, God, that you have thought this thing through. And God says, I have thought it through. And that is a principle that we can apply when we're thinking about our own vocation. We can say, we can say, um, uh, I have these objections. I, I'm not sure. You know, help me understand this. And, and, and I would say, go further than that. I would say, don't go forward until your objections are answered. God is capable of answering objections. Now, you may get a burning bush, but what may happen is you're riding the bus and and a, a thought crosses your mind and say, you know what, that actually answers my question. You know, that that maybe that was from God, maybe it was from the billboard we just drove by, but it answered my question. And that's the thing. You know, don't don't worry as much about the how as the fact that you had an objection and now it's answered. And I would say don't go forward until your questions are answered. They they tell preachers when when we're uh, considering seminary, they they tell us um, if you can do anything else, do, because because they, they want us to be cautious about plunging into something unprepared. So they say they say um, God is capable of communicating to you where He wants you to go. So so um, get answers to your questions. Make sure that all of your questions are answered, and and make sure all of them are answered. Make sure that God has answered all your questions, and that's what happens here. Because in verse ten, Moses says to the Lord, "My Lord, I've never been able to speak well—not yesterday, nor the day before, and certainly not now, since you've been talking to your servant." You know, <laughs> burning bush, you know. <laughs> It made me a little tongue-tied, God. So he says, so I've always had this problem. I've had a slow mouth and a thick tongue. He, we, we, we get to the bottom of his problem, right? I've got concerns. Are you capable of doing miracles? And so I'm, I'm watching a burning bush 
right? And at the same time, I'm wondering, can you do miracles? Of course, I know at some level you can do miracles, but what I'm really wondering is, I have a, I have a defect. I have a problem. There's something that, that I'm aware of that I wasn't going to tell you, you know, because I was hoping you'd go for the other questions, that one of those would steer you off. But, Bari, if it comes down to it, here's the problem. I can't do this job. The one thing that you have asked me to do, you said, go talk to people, go tell the elders this, go tell Pharaoh that. That's the one thing I can't do. So get to the bottom of it. Whatever it is, you know, you can be honest with God. The truth is, He already knows. So if you have a sense that I could do this, I feel like I'm called in this direction, but you know, you know, there's my past or there's my whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, you know, I walk with, you know, think about the people, right? I've got a, uh, you know, the famous people in the Bible. I'm a murderer. <laughs> I'm, I'm an adulterer. I'm an adulterer and a murderer. You know, uh, God, God is capable of working with people who have all kinds of, of, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, the, 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 the backstory, the history, um, uh, what do they call it? Pre-existing conditions. God, God can work with people <laughs> despite their circumstances. So, so get to the bottom of it. Come clean. Say, this is what really, you know, at, at the, at the bottom, this is where all my objections are coming from, God. And what God does is address them. So God says to Moses, who gives the people the ability to speak? Who's responsible for making them unable to speak or hard of hearing, sighted or blind? Isn't it I, the Lord? He says, he says, you know what? It's not all burning bushes and rivers of blood, Moses. I've got a whole panoply of things I can do for people. You know, I can actually help you speak better too. You know, parting Red Seas, sure, but helping people with their speech I can do that too. And so because we are now at the bottom, God says, now go. I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what you should say. And Moses says, please, my Lord, just send someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Lord got angry. And, and I love this because there's no indication that God was in any hurry. He has waited 40 years. Really, he's waited 400 years for this moment, right? Uh, he, 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 he will later on, he will spend 40 days talking to, to Moses when he d- gives him the, 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 the law, the Old Testament law. Um, God could stretch this out as long as he needs. He's, he's not going anywhere. And, and the, the question is, Moses done with his concerns. God would have put up with any amount of, of foot dragging and, and, and questioning. But at some point, when you just say, yeah, okay, all right, you've answered all my questions. I can see it now. It's all laid out in front of me. Everything's clear and no. And you can imagine if somebody did that to you, you would be angry. If you, if you said to somebody, hey, could you go take out the garbage? And they said, yeah, but I've got these concerns. And then, and then you addressed all their concerns and they said, yeah, but I'm still not going to take out the garbage. You'd say, hey, you know, what's your deal, right? You'd be angry, right? God is angry, right? But what I love, you know, it's not, it's not remotely surprising that God is angry. Anybody would be angry. But what's amazing is what God does when he's angry. What does God do when he's angry? It says, the Lord got angry at Moses and said, okay, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak very well. He's on his way out to meet you now. He's looking forward to seeing you. He says, Moses, I am so far ahead of you on this. I have already called that slick-talking brother of yours. 
Okay, I have arranged for him. And he is already on his way because I'm God. You know, this is what I do. And, and, and by the way, this is why you can go to Pharaoh. This is why you can go to the elders of Israel. Because I'm God, right? I can do these things, right? I've already arranged for help for you. So he offers Moses help. And that's another great principle for us. We can look at the people around us and say, you know what? I can't do this. I have some some deficit that I cannot overcome. And it's hard for me to imagine how God would do it because, you know, I only know about the miracles in the Bible. I don't know the ones that haven't occurred yet. I have no idea what God might do to overcome my deficits. So I'm just going to assume they're permanent and and, and they're, they're uh, unassailable. But, you know, they're pretty good at that thing, actually. And... To, to start thinking about the people in our lives not as obstacles that we have to work around or or um, adversaries that we've got to overcome, but say, you know what, maybe the reason that person has that gift, particularly, especially if it's the kind of gift that you're jealous of, you know, my slick-talking brother, then especially if somebody has qualities that you admire and wish you had and maybe you're a little bit jealous about, especially them, but really anybody, to say to yourself, you know what, Maybe God has already been at work at their life. Maybe they have they have been coming here for months to get to this place because God wants me to see them as a partner in my vocation. God's way ahead of us, and He's way ahead of Moses. He says here. He says here. Um, uh, he says, uh, so, so go and take the shepherd's rod. I don't know what that's about. Maybe, maybe you know, it's this thing. You know, if I leave the rod, then I'll get there and I won't have to do it, right? <laughs> and, and God says, don't forget your shepherd's rod. So, um, so I don't know if Moses is convinced now or not. When he, when he goes, he talks to his father-in-law and he says, please let me go back to Egypt, um, and see whether or not my family is still there. He doesn't say, hey, I had the most amazing encounter in the, in the wilderness with a burning bush and God told me. To. He just says, I'm going to go back to Egypt. So I have no idea right now where Moses is at. Right, and and despite the instructions and and you know the miracles and everything else that Moses, I admire Moses because he does something that clearly he's still not a hundred percent on board with, and um, and that's what we're supposed to do. That sometimes we get a vocation that is that is crystal clear and it's a lead pipe cinch, and that's great. But but I don't think that's the experience of most people. I think most people they say, you know what, I have this calling. Um, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm uh, the right person for it, but God seems to be happy with it, so I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be responsible for the present, and I'm going to let God take care of the future. And that is true of every vocation, because everyone has a vocation, whether you're arguing in front of the Supreme Court or whether you are reading your kids a story, whether you are you know, a doctor fighting a pandemic or whether... Your kids are asking you to come over and watch the grandkids. Whatever your situation is, do it as unto the Lord that we have callings. Everyone has a calling. And God will help you in your calling. Let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the lessons we learn from your scriptures because, because Moses is so much like us. We, we are uncertain. We're dubious. Um, we, 
we are afraid. So we thank you, Lord, that in stories like this, we learn how um, you are at work in the lives of your people so long ago and even today. We pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to gain any additional clarity we need about our own um, our own callings, and that you would uh, help us to to see your your you at work alongside us in our callings. We pray this all in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.